Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. I don't know if you were actually planning something for 2020. Speaking personally, I had some plans. Uh, we had some plans. You see, uh, this year is our 30th wedding anniversary. And that's 30 years of blessing, being married to my lovely wife. And um, I really wanted to take a holiday together. Uh, we've always, I've always wanted a cruise. And so I almost got uh, Fliss to the point where she was going to accept us going on a cruise. And then we had this mysterious foreign virus thing happen somewhere far away, but it had a lot of British people being stuck on a cruise ship. So at that point, we had to change our plans, of course. Uh, and we decided maybe a European destination. Uh, so we looked into this and looked into that, maybe Spain, maybe Italy. We decided we needed to change our plans again. And, and in the end, it might be safer to stay in this country. And now we find ourselves today where we're wondering whether we will spend our um, holiday, whether we're going to celebrate it in the living room or on the patio. Who could have actually ever known that we would be at this point, months on into this year? I'm only going to leave it at the fact that God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit were not taken unawares by this. They knew and they knew our plans and our hearts. But it's not the steps that we are taking today. In fact, that is the scripture that's been encouraging me a lot over these last weeks. It's Proverbs uh, 16 verse 9. From the Passion Translation, it says, Within your heart, you can make your plans for the future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. I wonder if your plans, your dreams, have been diverted over these last months. You know, I think everyone across the globe, whatever nation they're living in right now, whether they are a, a political official or a, a beggar on the street, whether they're um, serving in a hospital or, or, or clearing up the, the rubbish from the bins, who, whatever they're doing, they're all living in the same, same land of strange. You know, there's a great deal of fear and concern and separation at the moment. One day there might come a time of rejoicing. Almost a global shout of rejoicing when this all ends, when this all changes, when something called normal might return. I want you to bear those in mind as we come to the reading today or, or what we're going to look at, which is Palm Sunday. Now, Palm Sunday is a, a Christian festival. It's been, uh, we've celebrated it for centuries and centuries. And it's, it's basically remembering the last, it's the last entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and starts the week that he spent in Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel, uh, before uh, the events of Easter weekend, which we'll get to next, next week. Um, to set the scene, this capital city of this nation, which is on an axis point of trade for um, whole empires and nations, is um, filled at this point, census tells us, with about 2.5 million people from across the globe. Many of them are Jews or converts to Judaism, and they've come for the Passover festival. If you've been following the messages over the last weeks or, or joining us on the communion uh, on Wednesday nights, you know that Passover is very significant to the Christian as well as to the Jew. 
But this festival could only probably, properly be celebrated at the capital through the temple that was in the middle of that city. And Jesus, who had spent the last three years going uh, around the countryside um, as an itinerant preacher, had gathered a group of followers around him, but he had steadfastly avoided going to the capital. That is until when we read in the scriptures, he says suddenly a time came and he chose to set his face towards the city. From that point on, it's almost like a campaign trail, as if he's on his way up to uh, this festival, along with so many others. People are in a celebratory mood. They're traveling together in in crowds. And uh, amidst all of this, Jesus is there. On the way, by the way, he makes a stop off at his friend's house uh, because his friend, he's heard a few days later, had died. And there he goes to his friend's funeral and turns the tables on the whole situation. Everybody's expect- expectations is upon death. Everyone's expectations is on grief. But Jesus, in a moment, changes it around and calls Lazarus back from death to join him on the road. And so we see Lazarus and Jesus and the followers and a growing crowd of people heading towards Jerusalem. And this is what we're talking about with Palm Sunday. Because on this day, he goes around the outside of Jerusalem and comes in through the East Gate. The East Gate is the gate uh, of mercy, as it's translated in both um, Hebrew and Aramaic. It is the gate of mercy, mercy and in English translation, or, or we would, Christians would call it the Golden Gate. And even in the city, you talk about the Golden Gate or the Eastern Gate now. This gate, which you can still see, is um, perhaps the oldest historical gate in the wall. But it's weird in that it's blocked up, and it has been since the 11th century. The then ruler of Jerusalem decided that he would block it up to prevent any false messiah or Christs coming into Jerusalem, proclaiming themselves. You see, from a very ancient prophecy in Ezekiel and again in um, Daniel, it talks about how the Messiah will come into Jerusalem through that gate. Uh, the legend or the story or the understanding within Jewish tradition was that the Shekinah glory, the glory of God, the presence of God, when it left Jerusalem many, many years before, it left through the eastern gate. And the prophecy from Ezekiel is that one day that glory would return through the eastern gate and it would usher in the kingship or the rulership of God over his people. And people knew this. They were expectant of it, especially when there was something of a stirring, of a changing, and and what we've seen in in Jesus. Now, the reason that the crowds got excited was because Jesus was displaying the glory of God when he was performing these miracles, these signs. He was also giving new and fresh understanding of the law and of the things that God had taught them before as a nation. He was not shy in confronting religious hypocrites and and those that were currently in charge underneath this overall rulership of Rome. You see, their problem was that they were occupied. They were an occupied nation. And they weren't friendly occupied either because 
the Jews had proven themselves to be quite troublesome to the empire of Rome. And so their response was to garrison the city with Roman centurion and legions. And it was the constant fear that the nation might be wiped out or that the temple might be destroyed. And so Jesus comes into that mix. He uh, approaches Jerusalem. We can see it in uh, Luke 19, 28 to 40. Uh, as he approaches Jerusalem, he does this symbolic act. He, he goes and sends his disciples to find him a, a donkey. He, um, nowhere else in Scripture does it say that he rode on a donkey, but at this point he gets on the donkey. He rides the donkey along the, the causeway up into the city through the eastern gate because he knows he's fulfilling Scripture. He knows his purpose. Now, they were expecting a Messiah to come, a saviour, perhaps a warrior Messiah, one who would save them from the current political crisis. But their plans were not God's plans. God's plan was to send his son in obedience to fulfil what God had already desired to do. Yes, it was going to be to rescue his people, but not in the way that they thought. Not in the way of power, but in the way of obedience and yielding to the will and the purposes of God. Jesus does this, and the, the crowds go wild. They start shouting and chanting. They remember the psalms that are sung in worship normally about this event. Psalm 118, Lord, save us. Hosanna. Lord, save us. Hosanna. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And from your house, the house of the Lord, we bless you. So the crowds are going wild, they're chanting. They also cut down branches, which was a symbol of worship. They were waving their branches and throwing them down on the road in front of the donkey. And they were taking off their prayer shawls. The men would take off their shawls that they would use to cover themselves when they were praying. And they threw those down on the road as well. Jesus literally walked or rode down a road which was, for, uh, which was built on the praises and the prayers of the crowd. And as he approaches the eastern gate and then straight into the, the temple mount, from the temple come down the religious leaders and they challenge Jesus. And they say, what are you doing? Can't you hear it? It's not right that they should be saying these things. Because they were effectively proclaiming Jesus to be the king of Jerusalem, the king of peace. Now, Jesus' reply is remarkable because he says that if... If you silence this crowd, then even the rocks along the side of this road would sing out my praise. And he's referring to um, scriptures about the creation singing the praise of God. Isaiah talks about the mountains and the hills and the fields shouting for joy, of clapping their hands and of palms and, and trees and, and so on, dancing with joy. Some of you may remember those tornadoes that ripped through the uh, south coast a few years ago. At one point, if you were looking out your window, you could see literally trees being uprooted and springing across the, uh, uh, across the fields. Now, I don't know what he was talking about that. Maybe it was something about the fact that creation itself groans to wanting to praise God. That's what it tells us in Romans. It talks about the whole of creation longing to see what God is going to do. I've entitled this little talk, Replaced by a Rock, or Rock Replacement. 
And uh, when I was working this morning on this, I just got to doodling. And I wondered if, if you didn't like my face, perhaps you would provide, you know, I, perhaps I could provide a little replacement for the video. I mean, some of the videos we've seen of people on couches are almost a bit like this. Um, rock replacement. What do I mean by that? Is What I'm saying is that as human beings who have witnessed what God has done, there is something in us that is destined for us to praise God and to sing his praises, to tell of all he has done. If we won't shout the praises of God, then God can create the rocks themselves to call out in praise of him. You know, a bit later, Jesus goes into the temple. I mean, he doesn't go and hide in his travel lodge or something like this after this entry. He goes straight to the temple mount and he starts turning over the temple, uh, temple tables in the marketplace that have been set up because of the festival. You see, even the religious leaders would turn a fast buck from the people who were coming along for the festival. You've got two and a half million people. You can sell them souvenirs. You can sell them a sacrifice. You can sell them anything. Jesus was totally incensed by this. And he methodically makes a whip and drives out of the temple those shopkeepers that are trying to make a buck out of those that want to worship God. He also makes space because what he wants to see is that the, this, this temple court, which was the part that could only be accessed by the Gentiles, the people who are not Jews but wanted to worship God, it was filled up with market stalls. He clears those out so that he can begin teaching and he can be speak, begin speaking and worshipping God in that place. And in uh, Matthew 21, verse 14, then the blind and the crippled came into the temple courts, and Jesus healed them all. And the children circled around him, shouting out, Blessings and praises to the son of David. But when the chief priests and religious scholars heard the children shouting, and, and they saw all the wonderful miracles of healing, they were furious. They said to Jesus, Don't you hear what these children are saying? This is not right. Jesus answered, Yes, I hear them, but have you never heard the words? You have fashioned the lips of children and little ones to compose your praises. Jesus is referring to Psalm 8, where it talks about how it's the destiny of children to, to praise God. It's almost like we have it built into our design. When we are very young, we still understand that God is a God of miracles, that God is there to love us, to turn to. And it requires quite a lot of work from the adults in our household and the experiences of life to convince a child otherwise. And I want you to think for a moment. If somehow the disciples were silenced, if somehow the crowds were silenced, if even the children hadn't been able to sing the praises of God, would the rocks themselves cried out? Would the very creation have cried out? Well, this is Palm Sunday, and it leads into a week of different events that happens with Jesus um, leading up to his false trial, his kangaroo court, uh, the beatings, the eventual execution at the hands of the Romans. And I want you to think... You know, the crowds 
weren't silenced, but instead of calling out Hosanna, they were calling out crucify. The disciples were literally socially excluded. They were stuck in their homes in fear of their very lives. And were the children, we don't know whether the children were still able to praise him. But everywhere was grief and darkness. But during that time, the sun stops shining. The sky turns black. And at the moment when Jesus cries, it is finished, the rocks themselves break open. Graves of long dead saints give up their dead who begin to praise God. That the city is filled with prophets of God, previously dead saints who are now giving glory to him. And on Easter morning, even Jesus' own gravestone can't stand in its way, his way any longer and rolls aside. It's the rock that rolls to give way to the King of glory, the King of kings, the resurrected one. I want you to apply that to your life right now and to think about it. You know, months ago, we were worried about so many different things. And the one thing we didn't seem to have, most of us, was time. Now, all our plans, by and large, are in tatters. Our sport is gone. Our soaps are gone. Our weddings, funerals, everything is on hold. But the one thing we have is time. What will you do with your time? Will you proclaim the glory of God in your life? Will you look to see how he's performed miracles in and through you? Will you go silent in your social media during this time of Easter? Or will you stand up upon the rock that does not roll, upon Jesus Christ and proclaim his glory, worshipping him? I want to finish with the scripture that I mentioned earlier on. This is Psalm 118 from the Passion Translation. This is what they would sing again and again when they were expecting the deliverance of Israel. The very stone the Masons rejected as flawed has turned out to be the most important capstone of the arch, holding up the very house of God. The Lord himself is the one who has done this. And it's so amazing, so marvellous to see. This is the very day of the Lord that brings gladness and joy, filling our hearts with glee. Oh God, please come and save us again, bringing us your breakthrough victory. Blessed is the one who comes to us, the sent one of the Lord. And from within the temple we cry, we bless you. For the Lord our God has brought us to his glory light. I offer him my life in joyous sacrifice. Tied tightly to your altar, I bring you praise. For you are the God of my life and I will lift you high, exalting you to the highest place. So let's keep on giving our thanks to God, for he is so good and his constant tender love lasts forever. Amen. I want you, as we worship now with our team, to say to him again, I belong to you. I will proclaim your, your grace. I will proclaim your mercy in my life. If you haven't experienced the grace of God in your life. If for any reason none of this seems to make sense to you, please use a telephone line. Give us a call. Talk to someone. 
perhaps this could be the day that you go from under lack of understanding to actually encountering the king, actually meeting him, actually seeing his miraculous work in your life. Because today is a day that we celebrate that the King of Glory can come in. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.